This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Okay, let's get things going. Happy Friday. Happy Flames game day. The Calgary Flames go for a third straight victory tonight as they welcome in their Pacific Division rival, the Anaheim Ducks. Massive game for the Calgary Flames and the first of a two-game homestand. This is Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you. Coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studios here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Joined by my outstanding production team of Cam and Taylor this afternoon. Hello, friends. Hello. Hi. How are we doing on a Friday? Taylor shows me one more Paddington Bear meme. I might lose it today. It's fair. But they're so funny. Is this like the Twitter account that photoshops... Yes, yes Paddington it is. Paddington Bear into a movie or TV show every day? Yes, it's yes one, it is. It's a wonderful follow on Twitter. I love it so much. It's so funny. Not going to lie. Uh, back, back on track is what we're doing on the show today. We'll obviously chat with Pete Labardius in just moments. The color voice of the Calgary Flames. Get you set for all you need to know with the Ducks and the Flames tonight. Also, a big couple games for the Calgary Hitmen. They've got a home-and-home against the Red Deer Rebels tonight and tomorrow, including a game where they will raise uh, Brett the Hitman Hart's name to the rafters of the Scotiabank Saddle Dome tomorrow. So we'll check in with the play-by-play voice, Brad Curl, coming up a little later on this hour. We'll also go to the Saddle Dome, get you some Flames game day audio, assistant coach Ryan Huska and others, and we'll take a look at the opposition, the Anaheim Ducks, a little bit later on in hour two. Well, let's kick things off like we always do, heading down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, guest hotline and saying hello to the color voice of the Calgary Flames. He is Peter Labardius and he's brought to you every single day by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group is now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit them at thegeminigroup.ca. Good afternoon, Lou. How are you, sir? I am great. And uh, if Taylor is there. She is. Taylor, can you please explain to an older gentleman what the whole Paddington Bear thing is about? So essentially, somebody has photoshopped Paddington Bear from the movie into just yeah. random photos or stills from video games, movies, TV shows, kind of anything. And it's lovely. And makes you laugh. It's so good. It's been going on for, he, I think he started this Twitter account, like, it's probably years ago, Lou, and so this guy's been doing it every single day for for years, and you'll just go on Twitter, and there'll be a picture of, of Paddington Bear in the middle of a Star Wars uh, picture mm. or something. Yeah, it's, it's the kids love it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it was a good, uh, it was a good little cartoonish book way back in the day, so I'm glad that it's, uh, still relevant it's not on my timeline but it's it's still relevant are you more of a winnie the pooh guy or more of a paddington bear guy 
I don't know if anybody has ever asked me that question. That's what I'm here for. Uh, you know what? I, I probably relate a little better to Winnie the Pooh, but, I, you know, Paddington's got it going on a little bit. So I'd have to uh, dig into that a little deeper. Some homework for the weekend, perhaps. Yeah, I don't even <laughs> think Nance is interested in that. Yeah, fair enough. I can't... Uh... I can't blame her. I mean, I don't know. I at this point, twelve years in, I really don't know what she sees in me either. But uh, maybe I'm her modern day Paddington Bear. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Lou, game day tonight. Uh, first of two at home for the Flames. Yeah. Uh, will they get the Paddington Bear version of the Anaheim Ducks or the Winnie the Pooh version of the Ducks? We're not sure. Uh, but uh, a big one tonight for the Calgary Flames, looking to extend their winning streak to three games. Well, I think the biggest line that I can use, and I apologize, but you better not get Winnie the Pooh from the Calgary Flames. (laughs) And that has uh, occurred a little more often than you would like against teams, you know, of the non-playoff variety. And this team certainly is nowhere near the playoffs in any way, shape, or form. But I will warn everyone that when you have John Gibson in goal and they are a very loose team, I watched them for about 20 minutes this morning in their morning skate. Uh, There is still plenty of joy around their camp. And these are dangerous teams because they have some high-level one-on-one skill they can make it difficult for you to get to their net. And John Gibson is in his last five or six outings, seven outings, I think. He's operating at around 931. So he, he just, as we've focused on all week, it's just really about the Flames being at their best and being better in a place where it probably hasn't been anywhere near good enough in terms of their record at home. Yeah, it's an interesting stat heading into these two games at home, Lou. The home record 15-13-3 for the Calgary Flames on the road, 14-10-10. Now, the, the 10 overtime losses obviously isn't great, but when you look at that a certain way, you look at that, Lou, and say in 24 of a possible 34 games on the road, the Calgary Flames have picked up at least one point that has not been the same scenario as we talk about with that home record. Well, and and here's how it would go deeper with it. Yes, those are the numbers, and yes, those are significant. But I look at it from this standpoint, Logan, and that is this. When you are the Calgary Flames and you play at home and you have the type of roster that they have, shouldn't you benefit even more when you have last change, when you have the ability to get the matchups that you like? Not always, but you certainly have an opportunity to dictate how the game is being played from a personnel standpoint. And however, in terms of some of this team's poorest efforts of the year, I all. I think immediately about home games. I I don't think about road games. Because right now, off the top of my head even, 
Logan, I can't think of too many miserable ones where they were completely outplayed or outclassed. In fact, one of the more dominant games by a home team against the Flames might have been two nights ago or three nights ago now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And they won that game. So I, I do not think this roster has taken anywhere near the advantage. And it's not just about your crowd and being at home. And I, and I want to salute the crowd, actually, because I think the crowd this year has done an awesome job in doing their best to try to pick this group up when it needs a little shot in the arm. And I'm not say, saying that it hasn't always been that case, but it's been more noticeable to me. So, you know, I know tonight that you're in a position against this team where you're going to have to deal with some high-level forwards, and that falls very much on a lot of things. Where do you start shifts? Where can you start shifts? But there's some real matchup opportunities for the Flames, but they're not matchup opportunities, Logan, if you don't take advantage of them and you don't produce with them. And that's been the more troubling part. Yes, the record is troubling, but this was a team that was supposed to be about depth and depth up front and having advantages against other teams. And yet, when I think about their efforts, even when they don't control things, they've probably played better hockey. So that has to change, too. And it's not that they've played, you know, terribly at home because some of their best games have been home games, i.e. the Boston Bruins game and others. Mm -hmm. But when you get matchup advantages, you know, for example, one line at home that generally gets home ice, I think, advantages is the Cadre line. And are you doing enough with it? No, probably not. And, and and for me, one of the issues at home, and listen, I grade it very differently, Logan, when you play Toronto or you play Boston or you play Edmonton. But these are the nights where if you have potential matchup advantages, A, your whole group has to play well enough to put you in the best situations to utilize them. And those two things go hand in hand, but they're not advantages if you don't take advantage and dictate to your opponent. And I don't think this team that has had many favorable situations in home games, not all, it really has been the mindset of how you approach it. And I think this team is more dialed in when they go on the road, probably because they enter some of those games feeling like they have to be. The trick of the trade, and Ryan Huska said it today, so let's hear from him now. Because I asked him as part of the coach's interview for Mr. Fireplace Flames warm-up, Ryan, what are your thoughts on how you've performed at home, maybe in comparison? 
Yeah, it's funny the way it works. You have to be, you want to call it being homers, whatever the case may be, but you have to be a good home team. And there's been a few games this year where we haven't um, competed or worked the way we would expect our team to to play at home here, for whatever reason that may be. Um, I, I think now, of course, at the point of the season and the situation we're in, um, all of our games are playoff games, and, and players would probably use that um, now, that, that talk about the importance of each and every game. Um, we have to establish ourselves here, no matter who you're playing. The best team in the league, um, the team that maybe is at the bottom of the standings, it doesn't matter. We have to put the same game on the ice, and um, part of that is we have to be physically engaged. And I think when our team is, we're really good. When we're not, those are the nights where we might be a little flatter than we would like to be. And as usual, he lays it out beautifully. And I always think physical engagement has a lot to do with emotional engagement. And every player goes about that a little bit differently, but I always look in the face-off circle for those numbers. Um, most importantly, are you winning? Like, let's go back to their last home game, Logan. They win any one-on-one battles or 50-50s against Minnesota at home last Saturday? They did not. No. They didn't compete hard enough. When this team competes and they're engaged both Physically and emotionally, they're a hard team to deal with. When they are not, because they can't necessarily outscore or outskill some of those deficiencies, they are not. And, and again, that's really what it boils down to. If you don't have the right as the Calgary Flames in 22-23 – to think that you're better than any other opponent because you've not proven that you've proven you can play with good teams, but you've also slipped up immeasurably against teams that you've played like you're should be better than there's only one way to be better. And that is to be better and dictate more to your opponent. That hasn't always been the case in some of those matchups. Chatting with the color voice of the Calgary Flames, Peter Labardius here on a Flames game day, Flames and Ducks. 7 o'clock puck drop, 6 o'clock Flames warm-up. You can hear Peter along with Pat Steinberg as we get you set for the game tonight right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Uh, talked a bit about the home record there, Lou, but also wanted to highlight Dylan Dubé on our chat today. Uh, he's perhaps gone through the biggest change for this team post-trade deadline as they've integrated Nick Ritchie into the lineup. He's now centering that fourth line with Milan Lucic and Trevor Lewis the last couple of days. And uh, it's a spot we've seen him before here in Calgary. He's played center on and off throughout his tenure and uh, a job so far well done uh, in what's been a big change from being on the wing with Toffoli and Lindholm now to being back at center with Lucic and Lewis. Yeah, well, let's get to the root of it, though, in this case, Logan, and I want your thoughts. I mean, I'm going to guess that social media-wise, I know there's been lots of talk within the media group. How do you feel about the change and his different role? And frankly, two or three minutes less ice time again. Yeah, I, I can understand um, why people would be frustrated with it. I think Dylan's having probably his best NHL season of his career. And 
you know, being asked to, to move off of a, a line with Lindholm into Foley isn't necessarily the easiest thing to ask of him, but I also think the fact that he is so versatile and you can use him in these different spots makes him, you know, probably in some ways a coach's dream if there is such a thing uh, nowadays. And the fact that you can move him up and down your lineup because not everybody possesses that same skill set. So while I do see it as, you know, a time demotion, because I clearly think that's what it is, that's how it's wound up the last couple of days, I don't necessarily see it as a as a role demotion, though I see it as a compliment to the player that he can play either up on a line with a Lindholm and a Toffoli or be, you know, the driver of a line with a Lucic and a Lewis. And, and the conversation will always come back to, uh, at least with this team, should, you know, 17 be the one maybe that sees more of that ice time gone for, for Dylan Dubé. I, I don't know if that's exactly the case, but as far as talking about it from Dylan's perspective, I think in a way I see it as a compliment that he's being given a chance to drive his own line. Well, let's hear from Dylan how he is feeling about his current role and situation and how he's trying to make the most of it. No, it's exciting. I think it's good. I'm, uh, you know, to play center, it's, uh, it's fun. It's, a, it's, uh, it's not easy going center. It's hard. It's, uh, my lungs hurt pretty bad the first game. There's a lot of, like, there's a lot more skating and a lot more battling in your end in the corners and then to get back up to the ice to support these guys. So it's a fun challenge. It's, uh, try to push yourself because you want to, you want to fit in that spot and help those guys. I want to win face for them, get the puck out of our end. And, um, you know, I don't want to, you know, waste. I didn't want to waste those two, three games trying to get used to center. It's that challenge of that first shift of being ready to go and helping them. So it's, uh, you know, it's a uh, felt good the first two games. Just need to build off that. Well, Dylan, as always, whether that's exactly how he feels on the inside, never affects his work ethic. It never affects his attitude, at least publicly. He plays that very well. I think he sees, I know he sees great benefit in relationships that he has built with Milan Lucic. He referenced learning a lot from Trevor Lewis. So I appreciate the versatility, but if you have not listened this week, I think this whole move is about two things. You're, you're looking now to find out, in part, if Nick Ritchie can fit or not. You have a really good idea about Dylan, his versatility. I don't think that we're in a position yet for him where you know exactly who and what he's going to be long-term. And he's as fast as anybody on the team. And when you're fast and you're at center, you're going to be around the puck more. But is there a place to use him, Logan, right now up the middle outside of in that 12-minute category where he can grow and help and give you a dimension? Trevor, I believe, is more effective on the wing than he is in the middle. And that's nothing against him. You know how I feel about him. So I think the speed part, 
the growing Dylan part. And I also see the other side. I don't necessarily have even made up my mind yet. But I do know in chatting with Daryl and the coaches that they'd like more speed down the middle. So why don't we hear now from Ryan Huska about his take on the move of Dylan to center ice. Well, a lot of the game now, you you see the speed that comes from underneath. When you look at all the top players in the league, when, and the guy up north or McKinnon in Colorado, they bring the speed from underneath, but they can really skate. And when you look at Dylan, he's probably our, our best skater. So if we can find a way to get him to use his speed a little bit more, um, that's something that we want to do for sure. And, and with Dylan, there is no bad day with Dylan. Uh, you probably know that about him for sure, uh, where he will do whatever he has to do or put in any position that the team asks him to be in if it helps them win or if it helps us win. So he's just a, a good character person, good good character player for us. So I understand, I think, the fit right now. I'm not saying that it's going to even last past tonight. I'm not because that really is probably up to Nick Ritchie more than it's up to Dylan Dubé. Probably, yep. Uh, yeah, I, absolutely. Um, but here's what I would say, and I'll put it in this context. Do the Calgary Flames have a more dynamic player in their forward unit than Dylan Dubé? Hmm. Probably not. So that's just something to toss out, you know, for for you guys and our listeners. Personally, I don't think they do. Now, is he he's not Connor McDavid Mc, like dynamic or a lot of other players in maybe some of those categories, but and that's not to say Don't confuse, please and thank you, don't confuse best and dynamic. They're two very different things. But between him, for me, being probably, when you combine skating skill, the way he shoots it, I think I could make an argument that he is as dynamic and is the most dynamic young player, I believe, in the organization right now, period. But are you ready to necessarily play him up the middle against, you know, even top six opponents as he continues to learn? You just heard what he said about how much more difficult it is. Yeah. And it's not like this guy's not in great shape and doesn't work hard at it. So it's very different. And like I said, I don't, I don't see this necessarily as, as a long-term situation, even for this season. But as you try to build your team and you try to continue to get answers, one of the things that you have to answer is where does a player fit best? And with Dylan, we know he just keeps taking strides. And he's had his best year. But I still can't answer. And it's nothing against Dylan. 
I can't answer exactly where I think he fits best. I can answer where I think he fits on the pecking order if you wipe out circumstance situation. But he can't do it long term. We'll, uh, we'll see what it brings uh, and how long this continues. Uh, as far as tonight, we're expecting the same lineup and uh, forward usages as we've seen over the last couple of games here. And uh, quick reminder, 6 o'clock puck drop, seven or 6 o'clock warm-up, 7 o'clock puck drop right here on Sportsnet 9 at 60 The Fan. And Lou, before we get out of here on a Friday, we've got some business to do. Thanks to our friends at uh, Roos Chris Steakhouse. Uh, time for another edition of What Does Lou Say? Brought to you by Roos Chris Steakhouse, the best place for game day. Order from the primetime menu and make it in time for puck drop with two courses from $55 and three from $65. Visit RoosChrisSteakhouse.ca. It's a very easy contest. All you have to do, head to Sportsnet.ca slash 960. Go to the contest tab. Go to What Does Lou Say? Ask Lou a question. If we pick your question on a Friday, like we did for Ryan, you will win a $200 gift card to go visit our friends at Roos Chris Steakhouse and a pair of lower bowl tickets to an upcoming Flames game. And, Lou, uh, a perfect topical question from Ryan on this Friday. Uh, Jacob Markstrom's had to get the start again tonight in goal for the Calgary Flames, Lou. Uh, Ryan's question, Lou, what do you think could explain the Jacob Markstrom turnaround? Have you noticed any changes in his game or his approach to it, allowing him to start having success again? Well, I'll take it from a technical standpoint. And this comes from the goaltending coach, Jason LaBarbera, who didn't get into specifics with me, but I know just enough about goaltending to understand this. When goalies are playing well, especially large athletic goalies, I think there's two factors. And that is they're, they're not stationary in the net, but a good sign that they're playing well is they can make the most difficult saves look at times routine. So I know Jason told me the last few weeks they've been operating and dealing with a few little technical tweaks. But now that his new child has arrived, I think that has probably freed up some of his emotions for a very competitive, emotional guy. And I also think he is channeling some of that emotion and PO factor in other places. And I think he's using it to his advantage. I think if he told the truth, I don't think he feels I said this yesterday I think everybody in that room thinks he's an excellent goalie I think he's an excellent goalie that's had a tough year and I know this after working in the business for a long time hockey people for the most part really aren't that interested in hearing a lot of opinion about things that they probably think that they know a lot more about. And it's somewhat exactly how I feel about the things I do and my experience and where I've been and what I've done. 
So I get it. Are there criticisms in the market? Have they been unfair? Not completely. But, but as sports fans, and I'm a big one too, we are emotional. We rarely think about big picture. And there's always a lot of recency bias in terms of, I don't think there's a lot of appreciation anymore in how things are assessed in what people have done. It's about, it's about tonight. Because if he struggles tonight and has a tough night against Anaheim, I'm going to hear the same things again on the way home. I know it. I know I am. So I think he is using a lot of that negative outside stuff that has probably bothered him and hurt him. And I think he's, he is borderline defiant. In the last five games, he has been defiant against anybody trying to score goals against him on the ice, too. Congratulations uh, once again to our winner, uh, Ryan, for sending that question. For what does Lou say, Ryan? You get a $200 gift card to Roos Chris Steakhouse and a pair of Lorbal tickets to see the Flames and the Senators this Sunday coming your way. You could be our next winner uh, with our friends here at Roos Chris Steakhouse. Lou, thanks for the time as always, pal. We'll see you at the Dome a little later tonight, hey? And uh, where do I have a reservation tomorrow with Nats? Better be at Roos Chris Steakhouse. We're going to go to Roos Chris. Looking forward to it. And when I texted her the other day about going there, no problem. She said, I'll come (laughs) hungry, darling. (laughs) Bye, everybody. See you, Lou. Pete Lombardi is the color voice of the Calgary Flames. Kicks off every edition of Sportsnet today. And he's brought to you by our good friends at the Gemini Group Home Renovations. The Gemini Group knows your home renovation should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. Now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. A very key back-to-back set for the Calgary Hitmen coming up against the Red Deer Rebels. We'll check in with the play-by-play voice of the Hitmen, Brad Curl, next here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. It is a massive back-to-back for the Calgary Hitmen this weekend, Friday in Red Deer, Saturday back in Calgary. Not only is it a massive four points in the standings for the Calgary Hitmen, but Saturday marks the third annual Brett the Hitman Heart Game. Should be a uh, a well-attended game. Looking forward to this one for sure. Uh, But the Calgary Hitmen in a playoff race, currently sitting ninth in the East Need to make up some ground and find a way into the postseason if they can come away with four points starting tonight in Red Deer. That would be a uh, big win for the team. And whenever we talk uh, Calgary Hitman hockey, we always uh, love to chat with the color with the uh, play-by-play voice of the Calgary Hitman right here on Sportsnet 960. His name is Brad Curl, and he joins us down the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Curly, how are you, pal? Uh, not too bad, not too bad. Yourself, Logan? I'm doing great, pal, and uh, I was just talking about it there, man. A massive uh, home and home for the Calgary Hitmen today and tomorrow against the Red Deer Rebels, hey? Yeah, there's no question about it. It's one of those where you looked when the season schedule came out and you wondered, early March, 
regular season ends late March, would this home-and-home home set mean a whole heck of a lot? Well, for the Calgary Hitmen, it is immense. For the Red Deer Rebels, nah, not so much. The Rebels have already uh, nailed down their first Central Division title since 2010-11. you got to go back to the days when Ryan Nugent Hopkins was their leading scorer with 106 points and Darcy Kemper was making um, win after win appearance and goal, had 45 that year. So for Red Deer, kind of stuck in the spot where they can't move up. You know, they're 16 points back of Winnipeg for number one in the conference. So they're already plugged into the number two hole. But for the Calgary Hitmen, you know, opportunity knocked last weekend. They had the team that they're trying to catch for a playoff spot in their building on Sunday in the Swift Current Broncos. Even though the start wasn't great, down 2 nothing, Calgary rallied back, found a way to win the hockey game 4-3. to three. So all of a sudden, pull within a single point of the Broncos. Broncos lose a game this week. Medicine Hat, who's just ahead of Swift Current, loses two games this week. And all of a sudden, Calgary's got eyes of, hey, maybe we can catch Swift Current for eighth. And Medicine Hat's still within striking distance for seventh. They'll play the Tigers two more times. They're three back of Medicine Hat, but have two games in hand. So this weekend, Calgary against Red Deer, it'll be their strongest opponent that they'll face going down the stretch. After this weekend, Lethbridge at number five, Medicine Hat at number seven, and Edmonton at number 12. That's what they've got left for opponents. So if they can find a way to get one, maybe two, oh, I don't know, maybe three points against Red Deer, that might be a tall order. But if they can get one of these two games, it would be a massive step in the right direction for this Hitman team that's trying to get into the playoffs. And you mentioned it uh, Friday, the seventh of eight regular season matchups between these two teams. Calgary has struggled against Red Deer so far. They picked up just one win uh, for a 1-3-2 and two record against Red Deer, despite scoring uh, or nine more shots, excuse me, in a goal than Red Deer in those season games. They've had some good results, Curly, but just haven't been able to uh, beat this Red Deer team consistently. Yeah, nobody's really been able to beat the Red Deer team consistently within the Central Division, and it's the reason why Red Deer is the best team in the division. Uh, their record against their own division, 23-3-0-2. Now, one of those regulation losses was to Calgary, and both of those extra point games, if you will, for the Calgary Hitmen this year, they pushed Red Deer to overtime, lost those hockey games. So Calgary's been able to get four points off the Central Division leaders, but their last matchup kind of was the ingredients that I think this Hitman team is going to have to have moving forward in games against Red Deer. Braden Peters was top drawer in net, 32 saves, many of those spectacular at times you're going to have to have your goaltender be the best player on the ice or one of your best players on the ice when you're playing a team that is number one in the division and you're going to also have to find a way to get some timely goals well calgary's power play was timely that day they got two power play goals kind of a turnaround because at the start of the year logan we were talking about a hitman team that was near the bottom of the whl in power play efficiency well lately they've kind of hit their stride, and the power play has come to life. They've scored at least once in 11 of their last 14 games. They're clicking at 33% in that span. And this was a power play that was probably half of that before this hot stretch. So timely goals, great goaltending, and depth scoring for Calgary. They got it all against the Red Deer Rebels the last time they met. Can they manufacture that again this weekend? Well, wait and see. There's no question. They're the underdog. Red Deer's the team to beat. But Calgary, as mentioned, has more to play for. Can they use that hunger to, to find a way to, to steal two points out of the PB Mart Centrium tonight? And a very busy stretch for this team, Curly. Six games in their next ten games. Feels like we'll know a lot about where this Hitman team is going to come out of this playoff race uh, when these six games are said and done. 
Yeah, there's no question about it. And it's funny, you know, how the WHL schedule makers go. And so many times it's based on building availability and other teams travel schedule. You don't want teams going to a different province for just one game. You got to kind of mesh it all together. Well, for the Hitmen, they had had one of those busier stretches, but lately it's been kind of quiet. They played only one game last weekend, and that was that win over the Swift Current Broncos, having not played since the Sunday before. So really, they've played one game in two weeks. So this is a Hitman team that is now arrested, dare we say, and it's getting healthy, Logan. And that's the one thing that having this quiet time before this busy stretch that kicks off tonight really gave them an opportunity to was get people back we've talked a lot about this year a team that was comfortable in a playoff spot then the injury bug came banging on the door it broke the door down four of their top 10 scorers were out of the lineup carter mcadams missed 15 games due to injury graden seatman missed six with injury and they got back the weekend before last weekend they get two more players back jacob wright had missed seven straight and 15 of his last 17 games, and Maxime Moranoff had missed the last two games. Those are big minutes eaters for this Calgary Hitman team, not just depth players that come in and out of the lineup. Those are key parts of this hockey club. So when you get that rest that they've had, now they get an opportunity to get those bodies back. Can they get through this little gamut of games? You talk about six games and 10 nights and come out the other side healthy. That's been a problem for this team this year, but take it one game at a time. It starts with a home-and-home set with Red Deer, in Red Deer tonight, back at home tomorrow at the Dome against the Rebels. And then Wednesday, they'll go to Lethbridge. And then next weekend, oh, the WHL serves up three games in three days in Lethbridge Friday, Min Medicine Hat on Saturday, and back at home to face the Tigers on Sunday, March 19th. They'll catch their breath for all of three games, and then they'll play again on Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday to wrap up the season. So this is their last kind of catch-me-if-you-can breath. I know that talking to the coaching staff, they've used this as an opportunity to work on some things in practice. We'll see if it pays off and, and they can have success in this run of games that they will kick off tonight and right here. It's a hockey cliche, Curly, but one that really applies to this Hitman team right now, and it's about getting off to a good start. Uh, the last five games out for the Calgary Hitman, they have found themselves down 2 nothing. They were able to erase that uh, two-goal deficit twice uh, against Swift Current and come out with a win in their last game out, but it's pretty easy to say that coming out with a start and not finding yourself down two goals, uh, you know, to start any game would be a huge W for this Hitman team right now. Coming back is so hard to do when you're, you don't really have an offensive superstar like Calgary. That's been a, a something that's plagued their game the last little while. Yeah, and it's not just going down to nothing, Logan. It's the timing of those goals. You know, Air Can or O Canada has just finished. They're still putting away the microphone, and all of a sudden, boom! It's one nothing opposition. You look at the last game: two fifty three in, one nothing Broncos. Game before against Kelowna, two minutes and two seconds in, one nothing Rockets. Game before that, a minute forty eight in, one nothing Hurricanes. Game before that, eight twenty five in, one nothing Winnipeg. Game before that, eleven seconds in, it's one nothing Kamloops. All of those goals are coming in the first ten minutes. Heck, three of them came within the first two minutes of the hockey game. So it really has been, you know, a head scratcher because I think internally in the dressing room they're ready to go, but it's just something bad that happens. The Swift Current goal was just, hey, there was a shot coming from the left point. It was low along the ice. It hit something, goes straight up under the crossbar. Hey, you tip your hat. It's a C9 shot. But the game before that, Calgary comes out, wants to have a good start. They take a penalty on their first shift. Then they're on the kill. 
Kelowna scores. The game before that against Lethbridge, it was missed coverage. All eyes were on the puck in the corner. Pass comes out, sneaking down left defenseman, wide open, boom, it's one to nothing. So you're right, you know, playing from behind, this team is used to it. Um, let's be honest about it. It's amazing that they are only one game under 500, but I'll throw you this. They've scored only the first goal 21 times out of their 59 games this year. That's 35% of the time they score first. The rest of the time, they're chasing the game. So it is quite remarkable how good this team has been when chasing the game, but it's not a recipe for long-term success. You mentioned they've gone down 2 nothing in each of the last five games to start getting points in only two of those and just one of them a win. They can't chase the game tonight up in Red Deer. This is the Rebels team that, you know, very, very stingy defensively. They don't give up a lot. As a matter of fact, uh, on home ice, they're one of the better teams in the league. Uh, Calgary's got to find a way to keep this one close tonight. Um, if you go down 2 nothing 10 minutes in, uh, that might be a hole you can't climb out of, unlike the time that they did it last game against the Swift Current Broncos. I know the team can't look forward to it, Curly. They've got to worry about tonight's game against Red Deer. But for us on the you know, sort of the outside looking in, we can preview a little bit what's going to be a very special day at the Scotiabank Saddledome tomorrow. It's the third annual Brett the Hitman Heart game. Uh, it's a 2 p.m. puck drop from the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. And on this uh, third annual game, we will be raising a Forever a Hitman banner uh, for Brett the Hitman Hart. And there's a bunch of fun things going on, uh, all of it in support of the Prostate Cancer Center. And, Curly, you've been around this team for so long, and they've done these awesome jerseys the last couple of years. This year's edition uh, looks as good as ever, and I can't wait to see it out on the ice tomorrow. But really a continued celebration of a guy that's meant so much to this franchise. Yeah, and it all starts with the foundation. You know, he, along with Theron Fleury, Joe Sackick, part of the original ownership group, without their bold decision to go, hey, you know what? We think the WHL can exist in this city of one million people, and it's got flames fever, but you know what? There's a great product of junior hockey. It can work here. We believe it can work. They took the chance. They got the expansion franchise, and in they moved. Calgary was a, a trendsetter under that group. Um, and Bret Hart, the mainstay in part of that, was part of that group that took a chance because, remember, the Edmonton Oil Kings didn't exist up there, uh, the modern-day version of the Oil Kings when the Oilers were around. The Vancouver Giants came after the Calgary Hitmen as well. The Winnipeg Ice moved into an NHL market well after. They're only four years into Winnipeg. So Calgary was a trailblazer going, hey, we can make junior hockey the WHL work in an NHL market. And I know the early years were a little bit, um, you know, tumultuous. You're an expansion team. You're going to take it on the shins a few times. But just a few short years in, in 1999, they won their first WHL championship. The ownership group uh, moved over the Calgary Flames Limited Partnership, purchased uh, the Calgary Hitman. But Bret Hart was part of that original group that, that made the move that said, hey, you know what, let's take a chance on junior hockey in the city. And it's worked out. And, and, you know, the name itself, uh, I remember Brett telling me, because I asked him, I said, where did the Hitman name come from? We know, you know, Brett, the Hitman Hart. I said, well, is it your idea where to come from? And he goes, actually, he was in conversation with Theron Fleury, and, and Theo said to him, hey, you know, it would be a good name, Hitman. And Brett's like, yeah, I can get behind that. So that's, you know, he still is the namesake of the franchise. So that banner will go to the rafters on Saturday. It's a 2 o'clock start at Scotiabank Saddledome and the Brett, the Hitman Hart game presented by Valen. Pre-game show um, will be down at ice level. I'll be lucky enough to be the host of that. We're going to uh, honor Brett. A uh, banner will go to the rafters in his honor, and then we all know Brett's great ties to the wrestling community. Well, 
post-game. There will be post-game on-ice wrestling presented by Dungeon Wrestling. They're going to put together a ring. They'll bring it out. The fans will get cozy together in the corner, and the afternoon card will feature three matches. So it's going to be called Havoc at the Hash Marks. It should be great. I look forward to it. I know that they've done this in the past where there's been wrestling post-game, and the fans seem to eat it up and love it. This as a hockey first city, but wrestling, uh, you could argue, might be the number two most popular sport when you look at the lineage of its history in our city. So uh, I think it's just a great honor. And, and, you know, for Brett, he'll go up into the rafters along with Ryan Getzlaff and Andrew Ladd and Kelly Kissio. I think it's a long overdue honor. Um, yes. uh, you know, the Hitman players are just thrilled to no end to represent Brett Hart every time they take to the ice with that jersey. Yeah, just quickly to that point, I, I couldn't agree more with you on that. That's, it feels like this is something that's been coming Brett's way for a long time now because he simply, as you've mentioned there, Curl, he did a great job you know, talking about his history with the team, but he hasn't just been a namesake to this team. He's around all the time. He's here for these events, doing the jerseys every year and the photo shoots for all of them. He continues to be a, a member of this team and a very deserving, hardworking member of the group to continue to make sure that the Hitmen have success in Calgary. Yeah, 100%. You know, anything you ask of Brett involving the Calgary Hitman, he's like, absolutely, I'm in. And fans may not know this and those in the city, but he actually has a, a replica championship belt from his wrestling days that is in the Hitman dressing room. And they, they honor that. They, they, the player of the game gets that belt. Um, and that's something they do within the Hitman dressing room. So that belt is there and it's got, it's autographed by Brett. There's a personal message to the team on it from Brett. Um, I know that his work not only, you know, encompasses the Calgary Hitman, who's the, the namesake of and former owner, as we mentioned, but his work in the community through charity is, is second to none. And, you know, Bret Hart is a, is a prostate cancer survivor and a portion of the proceeds from those jerseys that the Hitman will wear tomorrow uh, will be auctioned off and the portion of the proceeds will support the Prostate Cancer Center. I should say all the proceeds will support the Prostate Cancer Center. So it really is a give back in so many ways. And, and for Brett, you know, he's done so much for our community. I think it's about time that Calgary turns back and says thank you and in return. And what an honor it'll be for him, for him and his family, to see that forever a Hitman banner go up into the rafters tomorrow. Uh, expecting that ceremony to be, I would suggest, probably about 20 minutes long, and then they'll drop the puck, play Hitman and Rebels, and then wrap it up with a little post-game wrestling. Uh, if you're interested, there are limited tickets available. I was just checking the website before I brought Brad on, and there's really only a handful of tickets uh, around the second deck uh, for the Saddle Dome tomorrow uh, if you're interested in getting to the Dome for the Hitman and the Rebels for the third annual Brett the Hitman Heart Game. And Curly, before I let you go, I got the most thing that I'm excited about, I can't wait for you and your color guy Jeff Hollick to get in the ring post-game, and I'm excited to see what finishing <laughs> move you have planned for Jeff in that post-game wrestling match that will be uh, one of the top of the card, no doubt. <laughs> well, you've heard of coming off the top rope. Yes. Have you ever heard of coming out of the Peter Mar radio <laughs> broadcast? <booth? laughs> Can you imagine what that would be like if I could maybe, uh, you know, that could be a finishing move. I don't know what we would call it, but no. Mr. Hollick might be in trouble if I was able to finish that one off. Absolutely. He would be. He's going to be in trouble anyway. He's got to spend the game with you tomorrow. <laughs> so, uh, Curly, thanks for the time, pal. Safe travels back from Red Deer tomorrow. And have a great call tonight. Hey. Yeah, certainly. Thanks for having me on. You guys have a great weekend. You too. Brad Curl, the play-by-play -play voice of the Calgary Hitman, giving us some time here on the Atlas Beach and Sports Bar guest hotline. In Red Deer tonight for the first of two, Hitman and the Rebels. We mentioned the back half is tomorrow, right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. 2 p.m. puck drop, third annual Brett the Hitman heart game. 
where uh, forever a Hitman, Brett uh, Hitman Hart will be uh, raised to the rafters of the Scotiabank Saddledom, as we talked about there, a really deserving honor. Uh, if you're interested, like I said, hitmanhockey.com. You want to check out tickets. There's a handful available in the second deck uh, if you're still looking to get some tickets for Saturday. But other than that, pretty close to a sellout for what should be one of the games of the year for the Calgary Hitman. Oh, and there just so happens they're in the middle of a playoff race. So couldn't get much better than that. Uh, we'll have the game for you right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Uh, tonight it'll be on the alt stream because we've got the Flames and the Ducks coming up later tonight. Uh, but tomorrow, uh, Brad's got the main feed, him and Jeff Hollick right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. That'll wrap up Hour 1. We'll come back on the other side, uh, turn our attention back towards the Flames and the Ducks. Some game day audio from the Scotiabank Saddledome, including assistant coach Ryan Huska. That's coming up next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.